Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, and welcome to Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up, Cam Jones. Just as we're about to hang up, he said, oh, just, just remember, always be a leader, never be a follower. And then for the first time since I was a kid, he, he, said, he said, I love you and I'm proud of you. Cameron Jones is a New Zealand actor. If you're an old fan of Shortland Street, you might remember him from that. He cut his teeth as Dallas Jones, the ambulance driver on Shorties, 10 years ago. He's done heaps of other work too. He was in the Hobbit movies, a Christmas movie with Dolly Parton. And he has a brand new movie called Home Kills, which has been showing and getting rave reviews as part of the New Zealand Film Festival. I didn't know much about Cam prior to this conversation. I've interviewed him a couple of times before back in the Shortland Street days on the radio show. But I learned so much during this conversation. What his dad thought about his career choice as an actor, spoiler alert, wasn't great. And then the final conversation he had with his dad before his dad passed away. We touch upon the stress of trying to break into the LA acting scene, the bizarre thing that he got offered thousands of dollars to do, his struggles with his mental well-being, and much, much more. It was Bridget Smith, a mutual friend of ours, that suggested I get Cam on as a guest, and he did not disappoint. I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know a bit more about him, and I really believe you guys will too. Thanks very much to Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode. If you don't have protein as part of your daily diet, you should start ASAP. Protein helps you gain muscle if that's your goal, or to just keep the muscle you already have. This becomes more and more important as you age. I start every single day with a protein shake made with protein powder from Radix. They honestly do the best flavors made with the best ingredients. They've just introduced two new flavors to their range, mango and also blueberry. And like all the other flavors in their range, these two do not disappoint. Check out their incredible range of nutritional products at radixnutrition.co.nz. That's R-A-D-I-X. All right, let's get into the episode. Cam Jones on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Cam Jones. G'day, mate. Hello. Thank, Thank you for having me. Mate, thanks so much for coming over. You come here highly recommended by a mutual oh. friend of ours. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's, a, it's an honour, mate. So how are you? I'm good. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, all things considered, I'm alive. That counts for something, doesn't it? Yeah, well, so, that doesn't sound great. Oh, well, you know, you, you, just realistic, mate. You know, yeah. It could always be better. It's not, you know, it could be worse, but it could be better always. Mm. But you, you chose this life. This I act, did. This I acting know. life. It I was know. never going to yeah, be easy. I, yeah, I did. No, no, no. It is a fine line between um, drive and, and uh, insanity. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and I walk that tightrope very, very carefully. Actually, um, I, I got a message from um, a friend of mine who you have worked with. Um, I'll read this out and we'll see if you can guess who it is. Okay. Um, the, the second half is quite telling. The first half might be a little bit generic. Oh, Cam, what a truly lovely guy. We were all so struck by his gorgeous looks, lovely nature, and professionalism and talent. Couldn't fault him. Any ideas? That could be anyone, <laughs> <that> thing, right? 
<laughs> Dolly Parton. Uh, wow, well, was it? Yeah, far out. May well be. Okay, uh, I'll keep going then. Yeah. Uh, I did do something silly. I walked in on him as he was doing his diabetes, and I made it so awkward, and I wouldn't stop talking about it or asking him questions about it. And then I sang him happy birthday, in part to shut myself up, in part because I think it truly was his birthday. Anyway, awesome guy. I look forward to hearing the chat. Any idea? Is, is this is this an actor or is this a crew? Actor, actor. And it's an actor. <laughs> oh, come on. This can't have happened more than once. <laughs> oh, it actually has happened quite a few. I mean, I haven't had heavy birthdays, but, but I, I'm trying to – a lot of people walked in on me awkwardly and then they don't know if they, how to deal with me, you know, doing doing my diabetes, you know. But um, I can't. No, I can't. Really. Okay, I'll put you out of your misery. Um, Anna Hutchison, who you were in uh, oh, the movie A Love Yarn. With Netflix movie. That's right, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, the, 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 the diabetes. The, di- <laughs> the diabetes, yeah. Right, so when, yeah. when were you diagnosed? Uh, I, was, uh, I was 15 and um, I was diagnosed. I was, I, I was actually kind of cottoned on to it a little bit earlier than most people would because I, I, I had a 50cc scooter at the time and I was doing wheelies on it, as you do when you're 15. <laughs> And I fell off and, and I banged up my leg pretty bad and I got a really bad blood infection from that. And it was and then I just collapsed in the shower one day from the blood infection. I just thought they were pimples, but, you know, blood infection. So it was mm. pretty bad. Got taken to hospital and then at hospital they did all the tests and, and, and um, they're like, oh, something's not quite right with your HbA1c and might have to come back for some more tests. And so went back for some more tests and they're like, oh, you've got um, uh, type 1 diabetes. So... Yeah, uh, it all happened from there, and yeah, hard age to do it because I was, you know, fifteen. You're just starting to get into to drinking and to yeah. girls, and you know, so I was and partying and all that kind of stuff. So it was hard. It's a lot. Try. It must have felt like the end of your world at that. So it did. Age. Yeah, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. So I, I literally didn't even know what it was. I was like, what, what is it, and what does this mean, and, and blah blah, and does this affect me in any way? And and I mean, it does on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, it was just so, it was just solely field, you know, like mm. I was just like, I didn't know anyone with it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to expect. So I was just, I think even my parents and myself, we just all didn't know what to do. You know, it was just so, just learning to create a habit out of uh, out of things and, and stay on top of it. But man, it was a hard age to deal with it. And uh, Yeah, and a lot of respons- like responsibility at that age as well. Yeah. Like, so, say you're the age you are now and you get diagnosed. You're like, okay, yeah. I need to inject myself with insulin yes. these times. But at 15, it's like, yeah. fuck, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that must, have been, that must have been depressing. It was, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and to be honest, like... Um, it's it still is, and it's still, you know, I, I've been pretty disciplined. I, the one thing I, I was never in denial of it, which is a, you know, when I talk to like diabetic nurses and people at the hospital and stuff, they say a lot of the problems with the young with young kids is that they just don't do anything because they're in denial, and so they just won't inject, and they just they just don't want to believe that they've got it, and so. Um, for for whatever reason, I was I I never did that, and I was pretty like I always wanted to try and stay on top of it. But even when you're doing your best, it's it's there's so much out of your control, you know, like so much affects it, you know, stress affects it, exercise affects it, like your moods, if, you know, everything can can raise or lower um, your blood sugar and stuff. So it was it was it's still hard, and I and that's the thing I I, I try to be honest with people or parents when they come up to me and they say, hey my. 
my kid's been diagnosed diabetes and he's struggling with it, you know, what, do you have any advice? I'm like, to be honest, it doesn't really get easier and it's still hard for me now, like I still struggle with it, but the important thing is just to do your best, I, I guess, and not let it r- take over your life. Because that's the other thing is like, my control's not perfect, but at the same time, I, I, I would have perfect control if I lived in my house every day and just did nothing and you know, I fucking did the same thing every day. It's and, not a life though, but, is it? But there's no, there's no quality of life yeah. there. So like you've got to find a little balance. But I'm also not reckless and I'm not, you know, out, you know, partying every night or every week and, you know, and letting, yeah, so, it's, so you've just got to be a little bit mm. smart about it. And, so what does it mean exactly in terms of like diet and uh, like what, what alcohol can you drink or can't you drink? Can you have clean uh, spirits? So I'll, yeah, if I drink, I'll usually, I mean, I, I drink like vodka is obviously the best and mm. it's the cleanest um, but it's not the people always th- think it's the sugar and the alcohol that's not the the issue it's, the issue is that when you're drinking alcohol your liver prioritises um, filtering the alcohol over filtering food so when you're when you're getting drunk your liver's now working in overtime to process all that alcohol. And so whatever food you're having is not getting processed. So that's where it's dangerous because you might have a high reading and be like, oh, fucking, so, you're, so you you know, inject for that. But um, actually it's a false reading because once that liver stops processing the alcohol at 3 a.m., it's now going to start processing the mm. food. So now you're in double insulin, you know, so that's where it gets a bit dangerous and people get into trouble with, you know, that, that with heavy drinking and stuff. Mm. Um but but diet wise, no, I, I I eat everything and anything, you know. And I've I've got a real I'm a big big burger and sandwich person, um, and I, I don't let it. So oh I'll, come on! By the way, this um, it's not just an audio podcast. People can watch this as well. No one's going to believe that. Look at you! <laughs> I do. You got leading man, oh, no. good looks. Uh, no 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 no. I, I, well, I, I, I train hard to be able to okay. eat, eat that, <laughs> eat the sandwiches and the the burgers, but. Uh, yeah, uh, people say that to me. They're like, "You can't run away from a bad diet," and I'm like, "If you, you run can. fucking far you enough, really you can. actually yeah. can." Yeah, yeah, so it's a, a catch twenty two. I, you know, I train for the food and I eat the food because I train. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> but um, no, but but I, I I've done a course where I I've, like a carb counting course, so I know exactly uh, what I can kind of to my best assume how much carb is you know are in a certain food. And I mean, eating out's always hard because I don't know for sure. But generally, I, I have a pretty good idea of what I'm eating, and then I can um, inject based on that. Sometimes hit or miss, but like mm. yeah, I've got a pretty so I, I can eat anything really because I know the carb content. As long as I know the carb yeah. content, I'm fine. Well, it seems like you coexist with it quite successfully. I try. Yeah. How long has it been now? So you you got it when you were 15. Yeah, 32 uh, now. 32. So, yeah. so seven. Yeah. You've had it for longer than what you haven't had it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And when so when did the acting start? Because your your first um. Your first um, foray into acting, it was um, you're in rural Hawke's Bay. That's right. It was a school production where you played a homo- homosexual Muslim. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. What, what's, what was going on? At my school, we did Bugsy Malone every year. <laughs> well, <laughs> what you, play was this? Yeah, it, it was a play called um, A Bridge Over uh, Troubled Waters, I think it was. Right. Or something. It, it seems something like a complex play. It was, it was a, play, a, high it was a play. dark play. Yeah. It was a very dark play, actually. So this is pre pre diabetes or just sort of after? This around, is, the, uh, around the same time? Probably around the same time, yeah. maybe afterwards. I think I was 16, yeah, so maybe, right. maybe a little bit into it. Was that the leading role? No, they were kind of. It followed a few different – it was kind of like that Angels in America kind of feel where it kind of followed a few different characters and things and a few different storylines. It it's actually a beautiful play. I'd love to mm. f- um, p- read it again, you know. But um, 
it, it followed a few different storylines, and one of those storylines was this this um, uh, this gay Muslim, and obviously there's a bit of a conundrum there with with religion and and the sexuality sure. and. Um, at 16, you're like, you know, like like you say, you know, like most of the school plays are really basic and you're really, you know, like, yeah, you, do, you do the musical or the, you know, whatever. <laughs> so to get hit with that, you know, when, when he cast it and hats off, you know, props to the drama teacher though for um, doing something, for doing something like different. that because, uh, you know, that that is, you know, that's a lot to put on the kids, but it mm. also, they'll sink or swim and, and, um, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I mean, at that point, I, I was only taking drama to get out of other <laughs> subjects. So I was actually drama was a bit of a piss take yeah. up until that point for me, um, and it was just a way to muck around. And I never, I always thought drama is like improv and theatre, sports and things, and and so I, ne- I never thought it was a serious thing. And then, and then for whatever reason, it just it just flipped a switch in me, and I went um, because obviously there was, especially as a young boy, there was there, there was a um, to, to to play uh, a homosexual, it was there was a there would always be a tendency to play the camp or to play you know, really to, to, to really ta- really camp it up to, yeah to camp it up and be funny and try and be funny and yeah. try and you know because you're at high school so you're trying to get laughs and all that kind of thing and you do you want your mates to know yeah I suppose there was elements of homophobia even back well, then so yeah, you want your yeah, mates to know that you're not gay yeah well yeah especially at my at, at my school at my town you know yeah. so. Um, but for whatever reason, I just I just really wanted to do the character justice. I just had this kind of like light bulb moment where I where I really wanted to walk in those shoes and present it as truthfully um, uh, with integrity as as I could. Um, and I'm not sure what spurred that, but I just I just did. And and then from there, I just. You know, I, I really – I don't know if I nailed it or not, but I really struggled. I mean – did you, you you must have had feedback, though, from some people. Yeah, well, the dra- well, after that, the drama teacher was really impressed, and I started getting, you know, more, you know, good, you know, roles and productions and things like that. And then I got cast as a lead the next year for The Crucible, which is a more mainstream kind of mm. drama show. But um, I, I think he – I think he actually did it to see if I could challenge myself or rise up to that. And I'm I'm so glad he did. So, yeah, thank you to him. But um, it really just awoke something in me that I go, oh, there's actually a really um, beautiful element of um, storytelling and, and the ability to to give justice to um, to people in, in, in the world and, and to and to different aspects of life and to and to do something that's so with, uh, outside of my comfort zone and of what I know. And that takes. And that forces you to really dive into that, mm-hmm. and to really respect the um, the source material and what you're looking at. Are you? Would you describe yourself as a perfectionist, or did, did yeah, you? Or yeah, was yeah, it just yeah. like a really good drama teacher that you wanted to do a good job? No, for? no, I've always no, no. Right. I've, I think like I had really bad OCD as a kid, and uh, and growing up as a teenager and stuff. So I was, I was always a perf- perfectionist with things. So I always wanted to do things to the best ability. Um, which drives me insane, which is probably why I'm still doing it because I'm I'm just yeah borderline <laughs> insane. Um, but but uh, yeah, so I think that helped as well. You know, God, there, there's um yeah, I'm like that with elements, and I'm I'm trying to I try and call myself out when I do it because it's it's not always healthy, right, to be a perfectionist. No, you got you you need to like sometimes just relax and try and enjoy things for what they are. So so you, there's that school production, and then so that sort of lights a fire in you. Is that when what did you want to do for a career before the, up until that point? 
I wanted to be a politician. Did you not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be an MP. Really? Well, yeah, yeah. Because I was, But that is how bizarre. Yeah, well, I, I love. So you, when you were like 4, 13, 14, 15? Yeah. When I was from, from 12. In intermediate, I was, when we were doing these like career things, I was, um, I, I, I put down on this board and we had to write all about our profession and stuff. It was all about MPs and I think at the time I was really, I loved Winston Peters and so I had this whole thing about Winston Peters and, <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, I loved it because I loved, I loved public speaking. I'd always do speech competitions. I'd win speech competitions. I did debating. I was a captain of the debating team. Loved arguments and general knowledge and all that kind of stuff so I think MP just it was I was just like man I want to get into politics and then towards the end of high school still kind of wanted to do it but I became a, you know I was just like man that's such a I, I don't know where to start but I, I started getting more into business and I think I wanted to, I wanted to do property so I wanted to get a bachelor of property mm. at Auckland Uni by the by you know end of high school kind of thing mm. you, was it a political household like uh, political debates around the dinner table and uh, not really. No, about, I mean, very is, involved. It's like just my, a bizarre thing for a like a, a teenager to be. Yeah, well, I'm interested. Also, in. My dad was very into politics, yeah. and he was very smart and very uh, knew everything about um, all the politicians and and the history of poli- you know, New Zealand politics and stuff. So I think he was very well informed with general knowledge and current events, and so I think naturally I just kind of tried to emulate that a little mm. bit and tr- try and get myself more involved in that. Would you ever? I mean, it's. I suppose it's one of those doors that's always open if that's a path you want to go down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you ever want? I mean, you you could act now. <laughs> well, act exactly. to be a politician. Isn't, isn't that what a politician does? I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, that Cam, he seems like a nice guy, but is he just acting? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean. Arnie's a politician. You got yeah, how, Ronald, how many, Ronald Reagan. He is before your time, but uh, exactly. US president. Ronald Reagan. You, you obviously uh, more controversial. Trump, and yeah, so you got all these <laughs> yeah, colourful yeah, characters yeah, getting yeah. into politics. So maybe, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Maybe New Zealand needs it. I don't know. Yeah. So, so after doing that, um, that play, um, is is that when you're like, that, this is it. This is this is my destiny. This is what I want to do. There wasn't that moment, but it was it was definitely when I was like, oh man, this like this is actually really cool. This is it was, this was a profound experience for me. And I walked away learning a lot, and I w- walked away really understanding a lot more about myself in a weird way, and other people, you know. And so from that, and then there was you know other going through high school. So that was probably f- fifth form, and then sixth form was the Crucible, and seventh form was a was a musical, I think. Um, and I, and I was still like, well, because, you know, one, I was in Hawke's Bay. So, like, nobody f- thinks about getting into acting as a, as a career. So it wasn't even a – I was always like, oh, well, it's probably just a hobby. You know, my, and, and, and naturally my parents like, that's oh, you know, it's a good hobby. And then, uh, and then by the end of high school, I, th- I, I did the scholarship drama and I got there and I thought, well, maybe I should give this a crack. Like, maybe there's an opportunity to do something with this. And then, uh, we, and then took a year off, went down to Wellington, worked in some theatre companies, did a, did a few shows down there, and then I was like, I'm going to audition for Toy Fikati, which is the New Zealand Drama School. Right, right. Uh, and back then it was it was quite quite a prestigious, and it was, it yeah, was like hard in, to get into. Intake like, of like twelve a year. It was an intake of twenty, and they 20. had three hundred, you know, three hundred odd plus audition each year, and so I went, okay, well. I, I'm a big believer in you. Like my favorite quote is by Julius Caesar: is, "Let the die fly," you know. And let the die fly. Yeah, what he does that to, mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, he, before he crossed the Rubicon, he he said to his 
his uh, all his um, commanding soldiers and stuff. They were about to cross the Rubicon River, and the and the his right hand man basically said to him, "Look, once we cross the Rubicon River, uh, we're committing treason, and it's an act of civil war." And he just says, "Yeah, obviously in Rome and Latin, and he goes, "Let the die fly, let, let the chips fall where they may." Mm. And so, like, we've he's prepared himself up to that point. And so once he crosses, it's up to the you know fate and his, his uh, preparation and a little bit of luck to see the outcome. Obviously, there was a good outcome for him, and, but I just love that idea: is you prepare yourself as much as possible, you get to a point, and you just go, "Let's see what happens." Because mm. sometimes it doesn't work, and and, and sometimes it does. Mm. And but it like, it's, it's nice. And so that was the point. I just went. It's it's taking calculated risks, you know, and and that's mm. what it was, and and so I think for him, for, for for me, it was like, well, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well at this drama thing, and well, but just by the fact that you got into uh, Toyfikari, three hundred apply and twenty. Well, yeah, well, I, you know, up until well, just with the with school production, right. and then, so I was like, well, I, I, I t- if if I get into toy. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this seriously as a career, and I'm gonna do this as a career. If I don't, then I'm gonna it would be a hobby, and I'll go up to Auckland and I'll I'll do a bachelor of property. You know, so how, how, long, how long's that course though? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's it's not an insignificant amount of time. No, no, and it's it was hard training. Like, yeah, it was, was it? Eight to five every day, Monday to Friday. It wasn't like uni, like you know we had you know, your movement classes, your voice classes, your, then your acting classes, then specialist classes. So we worked with a lot of different forms of theatre, you know, mask, mime, commedia dell'arte. Um, so there was a then screen work, obviously. Then we did dance, you know, ballet, jazz. It was, so it was it was a really intense program, but man, it was it was it was beautiful. It was like an incubation, um, and it was really a. a the most creative three years of my life, really. Didn't didn't one of the uh, tutors there tell you that you should try stage management? No, that was that was actually the drama teacher at high school. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. When I told him that, when I told him I was auditioning for that, I wanted to audition for Toy because he 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 actually had a like a top drama student, um, this girl Nikki, and uh, and she was she always won the drama awards, always won those blah blah blah, and and she, it was always her and then me. But like he he loved her and like love yeah you know, like he she was the star child and and I was like oh I'm thinking of auditioning for toy and he was like you you sh- maybe you should just do the management course there and I was just like man I can't wait to fuck you yeah, yeah yeah it was I was like fuck you Is and that- I went back and I went back uh, they asked me to come back at one point uh, this was probably when I was on shorty and, and I went back and I was like and I told everyone I was like yeah and, and Mr. Walton said that I shouldn't do the acting course and so it was a no, yeah and he, and he even <laughs> admitted, he's, he's, like, he's like yeah I'm really sorry about that I was like yeah um, yeah I mean it's not the most uh, earnest I guess form of motivation but um, if, you, if, if haters are your motivators whatever it takes exactly. right <laughs> yeah yeah oh nothing motivates me more than a fucking doubter that, that's for sure yeah, yeah. Is that just how you're wired? Yep. Someone tells you you can't do something, and you're like, wrong. "Well, fuck yeah, hundred percent." Yeah, I'm okay. a dog with a bone. Like yeah, that. yeah. Oh, good shit. Um, and you mentioned some of the things before um, that they teach you. So, uh, what is mask? I know what mime is and comedia dell'arte. Did you say comedia dell'arte clown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so mask uh, and clown are, are two kind of forms. Where you, I mean, mask work is a pretty old, old school um, theatre form, but it's it's when it's done well, when it's done properly, it's it's absolutely beautiful. Like I, I wish there was more kind of theatre where we could see some more mask work and things. But, but uh, Jacob Raji, Raji does uh, he does mask work. His show that he just did um, 
and he, he took oh he, he does incredible mask work. Mm. He's one of the masters of New Zealand, you know, for mask work. But do you wear like a literal mask or no? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole you, – you would be surprised. Like clown you think is just, you know, a clown. A clown. Yeah. Like you don't think that it's a th- – but there's a full form mm. to it. And it's re- you, once you really appreciate the art, it's actually really beautiful to watch. Like our first class for clown was – we just literally just sat in a circle and everybody had to get up once at a t- one at a time and your goal, you couldn't sit down until every every single person in the class laughed. So mm. there were some people out there, 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 we had people crying because they were up there for so long and they couldn't make everybody laugh and they just started... They just, oh, they, tears yeah, of tears, frustration. Tears, yeah, genuine tears, not not of happiness. Um, but it's really hard, you know, put your, the, you have the red nose on and you're... Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's quite... Yeah, 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 no, it's... it's, it's, it's it's actually yeah, it's, it's really cool, but um, it it just teaches you a different way of, of looking at um, theatre forms, and and it brings it right back to the origins of acting, really. And then then what what came first after that was it Shortland Street or The Hobbit? Because you're in two of the Hobbit movies, oh, right? Yeah, I, I did Hobbit while I was at Toy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, so the the cast direct, director uh, Miranda she she came to uh, Toy to do a workshop with us on casting and. And uh, f- from there, she just she asked if I'd like to be in the Hobbit. And so right, there was and there was an awesome it, opportunity. Anyone that's seen the, the Hobbit would they would they recognise you or better spot you in so. it or no, no? I don't think so. No, but no, was it I must mean, have been a good experience at that age though. Great experience. Yeah, yeah. like I was. Uh, I mean, to be on that set for two weeks, you know, it was it was like, you know, and see because I was playing through Angel's lieutenant who's the elf lord who's played by Lee Pace and just because I had to stand next to him in every scene that he was in and so he was obviously acting with you know Sir Ian McKellen and um, uh, Luke Evans and and those the other, other top billings and so to watch them work and just watch them working on this massive multi-million dollar set and see Peter Jackson and like you know for a drama student I was just like this is the best school ever like this is a, this is incredible and I was getting paid Mm. And and the catering was the best thing I've ever had. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I was eating noodles at night as a student, you know, and and they had like fresh salmon and blah, blah, you know. So they had, it was just I was just like, whoa, this is this is nuts. And just to see the scale of it, like I was like, I've never seen anything like it. You know, the amount of extras and the amount of people, crew, and the set sizes of the sets. I was just like, man, this is just beautiful. And man, that that just really got me hooked. I was like, oh, I want to do this. Mm. This is awesome. You know, playing make believe like bow and arrows. I was just like, "This is cool. This is awesome. How could you not want to just play with swords and bow and arrows and pretend you're an elf chasing after dwarves or what? You know, it's just like this is just a dream come true." Yeah, but like one of the one of the most expensive movies ever ever, ever made. Yeah. Like it's a false yeah. a false yeah. sort of reality. Yeah, it, was. Of what they- it was. It was really going from ex- you know from you know <laughs> drama school production to to the hot. Yeah, you're like, I get used to this. Yeah, awesome, though, but it was awesome yeah. to see that extreme. You know, yeah. awesome to see what that that end of the, the spectrum was. Mm. Um, so, yeah, best opportunity I could have ever had at that, at that age, at that, mm. at that point, yeah. Did, did you get to um, pick anyone's brains or have any conversations with anyone that no, you, know, you was, respected? Oh, no, you just keeping your head down? I, and- had a, I had a small conversation with C.M. McKellen because he had actually come to Toy and, and, and spoke to us. And so I, I kind of just said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Cam, and you actually came in. I think it was like weeks before, and I was like, "Hey, you know, you came and visited us, and blah blah." And he he's so friendly; like, he's mm. the nicest guy. So he was he was all chats, but like, I was very nervous being around everybody else. Like Lee Pace, yeah, you know, I had a little conversation, but it was mm. yeah, you know, it's so nervous. And and they've got a hundred people 
um, dealing with, you know, they've got hundreds, hundreds of people coming up to them all the time. And But I think the coolest thing was watching Luke, uh, Luke Evans because uh, he, he's a pretty big dude and works out and stuff. And, and he had a guy, he, he had someone who was coming to set to, to him with his protein shake between takes. Like, he, so, you know, just a job, just to bring him a protein shake. I was like, that is so cool. Oh my like, God, you made yeah. it when someone brings you your protein shake between takes. I was like, that's when you know you've done yeah, it. Right. The, I mean, the worst, I mean, you're a protein shake guy. The worst thing about it is having to clean your own fucking blender afterwards. Imagine that. Someone yeah. else cleaning the blender. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that, that, those were the goals. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You, but you, you don't get told in those environments, like on day one, like, okay, don't fuck with Peter Jackson. Don't talk to this person. Don't take any photos. Is it oh, just go told, without saying? No, you, got, you, you get told. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they've got, that, I mean, obviously massive confidentiality mm. issues. Um, but you get told. But also, you, you don't, also don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that, that person that's like yeah, it's kind of schmucky, leaking yeah. stuff yeah. or, you know, trying to schmooze. Or I've always found that difficult, like the, the, that line between genuinely trying to connect with someone in the industry and, and schmoozing. Like I've mm. always found that hard because I never wanted to come across as schmoozing or trying to butter someone up, mm. um, which which is very hard in the, in the industry. Mm. Yeah, so I try and keep pretty real, yeah. Yeah. So then um, you, you eventually make your way to Shortland Street where the yeah. catering's not as good. Yeah, um, it's still better than two-minute noodles, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, still good. Um, so you, you were Dallas Adams, uh, Ambo Driver, so this is like 2013 to 2015? Yep, yep. I, f- I feel like this was, um, like the, there's been uh, like drastic changes in free-to-air TV between like now and now and then, yep. yeah, like 10 years. I feel like this was a time where it was still like a massively popular show, and yep. if you're on that show, you, you know, you're, you're massively famous. Yep. How did your life change being on Shortland Street? Uh like, yeah, pretty big. Yeah, yeah, pretty like, big. Round, round, round Auckland, or do you, especially no, when you got out I of Auckland say, to the region? Less Auckland, more every, everywhere else. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the, it was almost like the smaller the town, the bigger it was. Um, yeah, it did change uh, completely, and I don't know if I was fully ready for for you know for that because it's like outside of New Zealand, no one you know, no one knows knows it or knows who you are. But like, it's so intensely, it's almost. Mm. Um, it's it's really a, a pop culture phenomenon in New Zealand, you know. And oh, hundred percent. So I think it's. Um, I feel like less less so now. Like if you're on the show now, like it's the it's so fragmented now in terms of what yeah. people are watching and how they're consuming uh, different forms of media. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But back then, uh, yeah, you probably got the, the sort of tail end of. Yeah, well, seven o'clock was the prime time mm. slot. Wasn't yeah, it? it was like current affairs or an yep. escape from reality with yeah, Shortland yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah, another another hospital blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> interview cliffhanger every yeah. year it seems yeah. every year <laughs> wow what an experience money good yeah yeah look I mean I was 20 I was 23 you know like I was I was 20 I mean I don't know how, I, I probably shouldn't say how much I was earning but it was that was 10 years ago lot. you can say if you want well it was like you know like 100 grand less. it was 6 figures so yeah, but yeah. like for 23 and 2015 that's that's good money for me you know I was, I was like it's good money for anyone mate. not only that but I was just proud like I was just like I was just very proud of myself because I'd, I'd, I'd done what I wanted to do. I'd done my goal. You know, I was like, I want to be a working actor and it was happening. And I was very happy to be doing it. And I just, I was on set every day and I was working a craft. And yeah, some of the, you know, like some of the storylines frustrated me a bit, but you can't have, I mean, it's, I, it is what it is. Every day, you, yeah. know, that, you know, so, but yeah, it was great. And I was, and more than that, like for the first time, I think my, my dad realized that I could, take this seriously as a career and so that was a big moment for our relationship I think as he was he became proud and um, 
it just kind of set me up, you know. So it set me up and allowed me to not be struggling. So that, but it was almost harder because then I went from that, and then when I went back to LA to being a broke actor, it was like, fuck, you know. I felt like I was regressing. You know? So it's it was almost bad to do it that way. Like you, you kind of want to just keep going up and keep making more and more money, but to go from you know a nice cushy lifestyle and then but it was great man it was great I, I have I have nothing but fond memories and, and um, yeah I mean sure I could have done things differently I probably would have stayed on but longer uh, you know. yeah, did you leave on your own terms or were you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you but, just thought the time was right after three years it's, it's hard though isn't it because hey? it's like um, it's probably like me with uh, radio to a degree it's like um, I was at the same station for 20 years and you realise you're missing like a golden cell in a way. And I feel like I haven't had him on the podcast yet, but I'd love to get Michael Galvin on at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, you should. It must be the same yeah. sort of situation. You it's should. like, you know, you start acting with this um, dream to be like a Hollywood leading man mm. or whatever it happens mm. to be. And then mm. you get this good money, you get a taste of it, and it's intoxicating. Mm. Mm. So exactly. how, did, how did you turn your back on it after three years? So uh, so they 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 tried to extend they wanted to extend my contract um and I, I believe if my memory's right it was like to five years um and they wanted to do it by that and then do subsequent years after that but i think they were angling like uh my character and bella to be to get hitched and to have quite a large storyline and quite a, and be quite a you know key component to the show and um looking back i th- i i probably regret not staying on and doing five years because I think one just just to do more work and and two would have set me up a lot better financially and 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 just also I was still I was still green I was 20 fucking three so I think I wasn't a man yet and even though I thought I was but um yeah like you like you like you you say like you with 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 radio I just felt like I I always had these dreams of the kind of work I wanted to do, and that doesn't necessarily mean. Um, th- I I just thought sometimes I was being under underused, mm-hmm. and I felt like I had a lot more potential and a lot more um, skill set to be able to show dramatically, and I and I just didn't feel like I was doing that. And I think um, I just I wanted to to do more. I, I just I was just like, man, I'm getting I'm getting really itchy here. Like I I I, I need more. Something to sink my teeth in, or or I need to just you need take to be the challenged. Risk. More. Yeah, or, 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 so I, so, or I need to leave the show and 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 risk and try and get what I'm looking for somewhere else. Mm. Um, and and I I'd gone over to LA and had some successful meetings over there, and, and then just decided probably a bit too hot headedly that I that I that I wanted to leave and and go to LA. Um, you got you, there'd be nothing worse than. Dying wondering, eh? <laughs> you yeah. know, or dying with well, regrets. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And but but to be honest, five years wouldn't have hurt me at all. And yeah. that's, and yeah. you know, when I talked to my dad about it at the time, he yeah, he said, Look, you need just do it. Just yeah, do five years. You know, you what's what's the worst you know, there's no harm in doing that. And so and he was right, you know, in retrospect he was definitely right. But I did what I did. I was young, I was a bit naive and a bit dumb and a bit arrogant, whatever. Uh, and 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 left and took that risk and it took years for that risk to pay off. But yeah, you know, at the same time you go through that that calculated risk that didn't work. I learned and fucking grew so much. Mm. You know, like I I 
I really fucking was in the thick of it at, 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 for those years. And I think that's where I did my biggest learning and biggest growth as both a person and as an actor. And went back to the drawing board, you know. In, in LA, I went back to I went back to drama school. I went back to acting classes. I really went back to craft work and all that, and really tried to work out. But you, yeah, at twenty five, you know, twenty five when I left, still a boy, you know. And, mm. and I, I, I should have really just incubated myself in that environment until I was becoming a man in my later twenties. Mm. Because even now, like at thirty two, I feel like I'm just breaking through. Mm into manhood and, and and also being a leading man like now is my time where I'm I'm where I'm now coming into that leading man phase because as a male actor and you know casting wise in your mid 20s is really awkward because you're too old for the disney stuff or the kid stuff you know you're too old to be <laughs> yeah, to play yeah, a yeah, high school yeah. kid yeah but you're too young to be like you're not going to take a leading man role at at 25 like, and what, no one's going to take you seriously. No one's going to take you seriously. Yeah. You, you, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like, you know, so it's like, you, you don't look like a man. You don't have the life experience of a man. So, look, yes, I agree, I, yes, I regret it in some ways, but in this, at the same time, I also feel like, man, when I went to hell, I've, I came out a lot stronger. I forged myself a lot stronger through all those trials and tribulations and and um, that has really ultimately defined who I'm mm. carrying through as now, you know? And, and so now I feel very ready for those leading man roles. Yeah. yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let's chat about your dad for a bit because you um, you mentioned him. So your, your parents were, and probably rightfully so, I suppose apprehensive about this career choice. Yeah, yeah. As you <laughs> would, you, I mean, you're from Hawkes Bay. I'm Hawkes from Bay. I'm from Palmers the North, just up the road. It's the same sort of thing. Same thing. You want to be an actor? What, what yeah, the fuck yeah, are you yeah. on about? There's no, there's no career in that. And it, I mean, yeah. New Zealand, let alone Hawkes Bay. You know, like New Zealand, it's not really a career path. But yeah. fucking let alone small towns. You know, Hawkes Bay and stuff. It's, it's not not even a a, a thought. You know, so it was a bit wild, but um, so but, when you got the job on Shortland Street, they must have been like, "Oh, thank God, okay," because that, yeah, that's yeah. like the pinnacle of New Zealand in a yeah, way. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I think I, th- I think so, and I think I, I, well, my mum, she was always supporting. She she was happy that I was just doing what I wanted to do, but I think Dad was more obviously practical and pragmatic me, for sure. Pragmatic for sure, yeah. Was like, I don't want my son being broke. <laughs> So, you know, I don't want him to struggle in life, you know. So mm. I think he was just coming – he it came from a place of love, but it was pragmatic. Mm. And I suppose from your, your parents' perspective, um, when you've got a son that's got a major role on Shortland Street, suddenly it's like tangible proof of what you're doing. Mm. You know yep. what I mean? Like their friends will start commenting yep. about it. That brings an element of pride and stuff, yeah, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And then um, – so your dad, Graham, so when did he pass away? He passed away at the end of – 2015, so right. yeah, yeah, right at the end of 2015. 
Fuck, so how old were you at the time? Like, so 25. Right. Yes, yeah, so that was my, the end of my first year in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah, what was his cause of death? Yeah, so he, he was having some heart problems, uh, and he was very dogmatic, so he never liked hospitals, he never liked getting treatment. Apart from Shortland Street. Apart from, no, yeah, <laughs> apart from Shortland Street. Uh, um, Sorry, no, it was a nice moment. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> Well, I'm sure he would have enjoyed you know, being treated by the nurses at Shortland Street as well. But no, no, he, he was having some heart problems and he didn't want to – he left it quite late and kind of put it off and whatever, and it got to a point where he had to go to hospital. He had keyhole heart surgery, which is a pretty uh, standard operation mm. for heart problems. Mm. Um, hated hospitals, absolutely hated them. Um, but he had the surgery. It was a success. And then – he was obviously in an induced coma and they the the doctor gave him too much blood thinner and then that blood thinner caused a brain bleed and within and then straight away it was just like 24 hours you know it was just like so once he got the brain bleed he he was basically a vegetable and uh, Mm. they called us and was just like look you know you've got we're going to keep him on life Life, support and um, until you can all say goodbye and then but there's no no um Fixing it, unfortunately. Um, so it was, it was very sudden, and it was just really uh, tragically ironic, you know, because he he hated hospital, didn't want surgery, survived the surgery, and got through, and was came out on the other side, and then they just overdid it on the blood on the blood thinner. Were you ang- angry the, at the time? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah because is there you anything know, you can do about it, or is well, it just like a, sorry, my it's bad? Just sorry, you know, they call you. We got called into this weird kind of room, and then. The head surgeon or whatever he is, he he kind of says, "Look, on behalf of the hospital, sorry." And it's like, cool. It's not really good. Well, yeah, no, it's it's, it's not. But, but yeah, it's it's. But it's at the same time, you you know, it's a hard one. It's a hard one to wrangle because you, mm. you know you know that the public health system is so fucking overworked, but you also, which makes me angry at that as well because mm. I'm like, man, if they have fucking enough rest, with mm. the, you know, this is a human error. You know, so what do we do to stop this? Because mm. this is obviously costing lives, and it's like we're not talking about a car here; we're talking mm. about a life, a life yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then affecting people's entire fucking lives and families. So, it, I was quite angry, but at this, you know, me being angry or at the doctor or at the hospital wasn't going to bring them back. Mm. So it doesn't matter if I swear at them or, you know. I'm not going to hit them, but you know, there's nothing that that's going to do anyway. So I was, it was, it was kind of like a, a, probably a massive moment of realizing that there are things out of my control. Mm. Can you remember your last conversation with your dad? I, I, I guess you didn't know. I don't know. Like from sit, sitting here, like you, you hope it's going to be something like poignant or profound, but I suppose not knowing he's going to pass, it was probably something mundane. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that conversation. Really? Yeah, I was, I was, I was driving. I was working um, as a, a front of house for a nightclub in, in LA and I was driving because I remember the, the exit and I remember talking to him on the on the freeway and stuff and and it was before he went in for the surgery and um, he was wait, he was waiting and I, and, I, and I was really upset because I I, I, I you know, I was, and I was getting worked up, and I was saying, "Look, I, I, I don't want, I don't want you to die. Like, you've got to come out of this. Like, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I can talk to you, and I want to make sure that, you know, you're there for my grand, for my kids, and you can be a, a, a granddad, and blah blah." And he's, he's, he's reassuring me, "No, it's going to be okay." And 
it'll be fine, like I'm fine, it's, everything's going to be fine. And then he, just as we're about to hang up, he, he, said, um, he said, oh, just, just remember, um, always be a leader, never be a follower. And then for the first time since I was a kid, he, he, said, he said, I love you and I'm proud of you. And I, it was weird because it was like, first of all, I hadn't heard those words come out of his mouth. And since I was, you know, since I was young, and it's not that I didn't know he. It's not that he didn't love me. It's yeah. just he was he was yeah. very old school, and it was just weird. It was almost ominous that he said that because it was almost like he knew, because otherwise he wouldn't. It felt like he wanted to, to, to be at peace by saying that and making mm. sure that I knew that before he went, because I, I feel like if he knew he was going to survive. He wouldn't have said that because he would have been confident in the fact that he'd mm. be able to live to see another day and, and, and tell me that at another time. But it was just when he said that, I, I got a real sinking feeling, and I just yeah, it was better just to hear those words and you know it just yeah, it really obviously I was fucking I was crying in the car and oh. and um, those those were literally the last words he said to me. And, um, what a great last conversation, though. Yeah, with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. So yeah, left, <laughs> yeah, left, left nothing out there. So, I mean, I know actions speak louder than words, but words are also pretty special as well. If you got the actions and they backed up with words, so you got the words, and you got the um, you got the words that he was, you know, okay with the job you were doing. Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I that year in LA had been really fucking hard, and I'd mm. come close on a couple of things, like literally down to the final two on a couple of things and you know when you're looking at a contract for a 30 grand 30 us a, a an episode you know yeah. yeah and this is back in 2015 and, and that was on the lower pay scale and you know and I, I, so every time i get through these final rounds obviously he's he's there he's, he's saying yeah you go get it you know so he was here my back and then when it didn't fall through he'd say just get back on the horse mate like it's all good like you, you just go you got that close you'll get it again but so this happened a few times and then when he went in for the surgery i i ended up he was in a coma for a week and in that time i booked a commercial which was my first la my first acting job in the states and so it was a big deal for me and it paid really well and um, and so I was stoked, and, and I couldn't wait. He was due to come out of his coma the day I, I finished the commercial, mm. and I remember coming off set and, and being really excited, and I to tell him and tell him about the set and tell him about the you know everything because he didn't know that I was going for it, he didn't know I got it, so I was I couldn't wait for him to wake up and me be like, yeah, I fucking booked my first job in LA, blah blah blah, and then. Um, yeah, I walked off set. I had all these missed calls from my sister, and I and I thought, oh fuck, this, this, this is weird. And picked up, and I was and I was obviously on cloud nine. And picked up the phone, called her, and she's obviously screaming down the phone and saying that I needed to come home, and 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 oh, dad was yeah. dead, and 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 so I just fucking I remember <clears throat> being in a parking lot and just fucking falling on my knees and just, I, I, yeah, I've never wept like that. Hey, eh? it, was, it was it's a guttural fucking sound. You know, like it just, it's yeah, just, just like your body, primal. yeah, it just releases, you know, and I just, your whole world just stripped from you and, and, and so I've, fuck, it was, it was the worst, that next 24 hours, because I just got on the first flight back 
And man, I just, obviously didn't sleep on the plane, but you, you're just you're just numb. You know, you're mm. going through customs. You're you're numb. No one on the plane knows what you're going through, and obviously, and you, you don't expect them to. But you're just numb. You you can't watch a movie because you you're just waiting to be transported to your dead yeah, father. Yeah, literally just like treading water or biding yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, how, how old was your dad? He was sixty-one. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, so s- still too young. Yeah, incredibly much. Yeah, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Yeah, thank you, yeah. But um, that last conversation, fuck, that's special. Very special. Yeah, I'll never forget. I could, I can still see and taste and hear everything in that, that moment, eh? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And there was um, a quote I read from you in an interview somewhere um, talking about your dad. Um, you said, I feel like I became a man that day. I had to for my family and for dad. Yeah, yeah. Um it's incredible once you don't realise how much um, a father holds the family together until they're gone and uh, uh, that um, yeah the the, the, the it, it just I didn't realise how quickly things would unbalance uh, without without that patriarchal figure, mm. you know, and and trying to step into that, but also not trying to be my father was a weird thing, you know, like mm. not trying to be my father as the father of the family, but but trying to fulfil certain roles or things that he took care of, and and um, that was a hard like in terms of like looking after your mum or your siblings or well, he he was just a source of strength, I right. think, for everybody, and and and. And yeah, looking after my mom and my sister, and um, yeah, just it just really made me realise how much he actually did without doing, you know, mm. like it was kind of unspoken or unsaid, and you just took it for granted until he was gone, and it just felt like the whole balance just went like mm. that, and it just you know the whole family dynamic really changed, and it was a rough period for my family for a. Few years. I mean, there's still some stuff that is um, being mended now, um, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a it hasn't been easy. Yeah, so it's hard, eh? Like, yeah, everyone wants um, life to be like like neat and simple and and perfect, and it's just not. And uh, you know, sometimes um, bad things happen, and you you've been the master of that yourself. But then. Uh, there's things like this that just happen to everyone and we're going yeah. to, have to deal with it at some point, like illness or death or whatever, and it's fucking, it's hard. Life's complicated. Yeah, on top of normal life. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you let's um, zoom in the, on the um, the LA stuff for a while. So you had something like 150 auditions uh, over a couple of years? Yeah. Yeah, Fuck. it was. So before I booked my first gig, not the not the commercial, the, the Dolly Parton film, uh, it was I count because I I I always wrote down what auditions I had had, and uh, like I, a journal or a diary, yeah, or just, a journal, yeah. and 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 I had counted 152 since since when I went to when I got booked. It's a lot of rejection. It's a lot. Mate. It's a lot of rejection, <laughs> and some of them were almost worse because you got so close, and then got rejected. So you know you you, you go with that final final audition where it's you and the the like. You know the girl or the co-star, and right before you head in, because and then by that stage they're going to have the you know cameras on you and everyone's in the room and all that kind of stuff, 
And um, before you go in, you, you look at the contract, you look at the money, you sign it, and then you walk in and do the audition. And I'm just like, that's just torture, man. Like, just, <laughs> so this, is, this, is, this is life-changing money. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this, this, this isn't like, you know, Shawlands Street was great, but this is actually life-changing money. This, this will change my life. You know, 10 episodes at X amount, you know, it's like this will change my life drastically. I'll be able to buy, you know, property in LA. I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to, you know, like you start daydreaming. You go, oh, fuck, I can find it. Mustang. Mustang, yeah. That's what you do because you're, yeah, you're going, yeah, yeah. and, and, and you're, you're 10 minutes away from that. Hmm. That could happen in the next 10 minutes. So, like, to have that weight on you and to try not to let that rattle you and then and then you find out that they wanted, you know, that you were perfect but they they wanted blue eyes. And you're like, oh, what about contacts? You know, but, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I'll find a solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll find a solution. But so many yeah. times like that, that came down to little tiny things. And then, um, yeah, you're, you're, just, you're just in the whim. And that's the problem with the career is that you, there's so much out of your control, mm. which as a control freak, I find really difficult. Yeah, that's going to be – I mean, you do something like um, – Something that you're into, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And yeah. uh, the more you do it, you get better. Yeah. And uh, the more, yeah, the, the harder you work, the better you get, the more mm. success you get. But something like this, it's like so many variables that are just completely out of your hands. Mm. Well, that's why I love mm. Brazilian jiu-jitsu because mm. it's, it, it's so black and white. You can't bullshit. You can't, you can't talk your way out of it. You can't talk your way up. It, you know, like it's just like it is the, the, the better person will – be always win. Yeah, always. Win. There's no doubts about. You can't talk smack. You know, like you're going to get found out if you say that you're a, a black belt or you say that you've won this and then and that. It's going to happen. You're going to find out really quickly. <laughs> Whereas, like in acting, people, you know, they'll say whatever they want to say because no one checks them on it. You know, and there's a lot of like airy fairiness in, in, in that industry. So that's why I find martial arts in general is very refreshing because it's like you can't talk smack and you can't you can't lie. <laughs> you know, so it's like. That's 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 what I love about it. But mm. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's just learning to 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 le- relinquish mm. that control, you know. Yeah. yeah. So so the Dolly Parton movie that was like a, a Christmas movie, and you mm-hmm. played the uncle of mm-hmm. young Dolly. Yes. Um, I believe that went really well too. Yes. And they were looking at doing a series afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So she, so we sit around when Dolly was like ten. Yeah. Um, and I played her uncle. So in her life, her uncle sort of saw her talent and was like I'm gonna I need to do something about that and that was what the whole film was about was him kind of discovering her and then her her parents well her dad didn't want her to leave you know and go off and be a an entertainer and so her uncle had to try and convince her dad blah blah and then we, that didn't really get resolved by the end of the film and so the, then they were gonna if it went well they were green they were green lighting a series that would be Dolly and um, Bill Uncle Bill on the road and so that was that was what I was really looking forward to was this yeah, kind of journey because yeah. that's when she went on like the Porter Wagner show and 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 started picking up and getting all these like radio shows and TV spots and all that and then it goes off and then she just takes off. So that show would have been really interesting and 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 uh, obviously again life changing because mm. the movie was great but it was a one off film and and so when they said look if this gets X amount in ratings, um, the series will go ahead. And you're going to be a lead in the series to Dolly, and it's like, cool. I'm going to be a lead in a in a TV series. You know, that's that's literally life changing. You know, career changing, life changing. Like, I'm going to, you know, and this is NBC, one of the biggest networks mm-hmm. in, in America in the world. 
And so that again, you're, you're starting to go far out. What am I going to buy? You know, what am I going to? What am I? You know, what should I get? You know, this and this. But also, you're going. What a gift as an actor! Like I can, because TV series like that are just an absolute. That's the dream because you can just work out this character arc over a ten episode series or whatever, and really play with that character mm. and, and, and stretch those boundaries a bit. Um, but the ratings went off the charts. Like it beat it beat uh, Empire and it beat all wow. the all the shows that were just doing really well at the time and so the ratings couldn't have been better you know I think that they had 4 million views on one night and ended up having 12 million views all throughout the the, the, the nights they did it or something and so couldn't be better ratings wise and then um, so I remember the producer saying, saying to me this is going to go ahead you're, you're, it's going to get greenlit and so I went I came back to New Zealand for summer holidays and I was like mean I'm going to have the best summer and then when I go back get on that plane I'm going back to a fucking awesome job <laughs> before I get on the to, to the plane to go back I get a call from the producer and, and he's like look I'm really sorry but um, the the studio is the network has just decided it's not going ahead, and I was like, "What do you What do you mean? Like the, the what about the ratings?" He's like, "I know, but like, uh, uh, th- this is the thing. You don't know why. The, the, you don't. Uh, I mean, I don't know. My theory is that at that time, darker shows were all in the rate. Yeah, mm. it was like, you know, Game of Thrones. It was very, it was Empire. It was all these really dark kind of like." bitter kind of shows mm. and I think at the time people liked that for whatever reason and now we want lighter shows because we're in a dark period ourselves so yeah that makes I think, sense yeah. you know so I yeah. think at that point in 2016 or 2017 you know life was pretty good so I think people enjoyed the darker stuff whereas now I think it would probably be a different story and probably be mm. the opposite and so Dolly's Dolly obviously a beautiful human being and her show was wholesome and light and all that so I don't think the wholesome vibe was thing, but, but it just blew my mind because the ratings were mm. couldn't have been better. So I I don't know, but you know you literally someone wakes up and decide makes a decision that affects thousands of people, and you know it's it's just it's just it's quite it's it's so hard to grasp because I was like not only like my life definitely would have changed, but what about the crew and all that? So you do go, man. There's so much. There's so many moving parts to this industry that you just. It's not because I stuffed up, you know, because usually, like, in life, you know, something doesn't go ahead because I made a mistake or I fucking did this or I did that, but it had nothing to do with me, Mm -hmm. which is kind of good because, but at the same time, you're like, what can I do? Can I do something? You know, like, (laughs) let me, please, please just green light this show, you know, because you you were going to drastically change my life. Yeah, but yeah, there's a, there's it's a, very selfish to think that at the same time. Yeah, you know? but it's got to be so frustrating, eh? Um, oh, it, it was. And so I went back to LA and was a broke actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you were very experienced for that yeah, role. Yeah, I know. Um, how how broke did you get? So you, you went over there with um, your sh- some Shortland Street cash? Yeah were, you, yeah. were you quite good at saving and budgeting? Yeah, I've always been yeah, good at saving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. went over there with a bit of cash in the bank. Were yeah. you, did you manage to get by on that or were you, yeah, were you working oh, as a waiter? Or? Fuck, I was... No, I was. I mean, I worked at this club for a little bit. I worked under the table as a handyman. I met a Kiwi over there, um, who was who did up apartments and things. And oh, yeah. Well, I, I I went on a deep dive into your um yeah on your Instagram. So I was going to bring this up because you've, oh, yeah. you've shared a lot on Instagram. So so you were flirting with a dude, 
and it was really weird. You, you, oh, yeah. you, you caught him filming you as you were sleeping yeah, one day? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Far out. And this leads us to the Kiwi guy. That yeah, the yeah, so I basically packed my – like we had a bit of a fisticuffs in the apartment and then I was – and then I packed my bags and left. So was he filming you sleeping? Yeah, or, yeah. And you was, caught him filming yeah, you sleeping or yeah. you saw a video no, of I caught, it? I caught him. Shit. And Why? Was, what was this? Uh, you sleep nude on top of the duvet? What? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's, we're talking about Hollywood, man. It's, right. it's, it's, the American dude. Interesting character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just some weird characters there. You know? <laughs> so, like, um, I mean, a lot of fringe people go there, you know? So, it's, it, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I, that was the end. That, that, was, that was it for me. And then, so I stormed out, but I was like, fuck, I have nowhere to live. And then this guy was doing up the apartments nearby. And uh, and he's like, what's what, what's the matter? Why are you packing your bags? And I'm like, oh fucking, I'm, I've I've left. I kicked out. Uh, this guy's filming. Uh, we had a bit of a fisticuffs. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh fuck, all good. Uh, we'll, we'll sort you out. What are you doing now? I was like, well fuck, I've got acting class in bloody thirty minutes. And he's like, okay, just leave your bags here. And I was like, oh fuck, now I'm gonna get robbed. And <laughs> so I went off to acting class, and then I came back pretty miserable. And and then by but. By that, I came back and he had, there was this empty apartment that he was doing up, and he had moved all my stuff in and he had fully furnished it with stuff that he had taken from other apartments that he that he was doing up. So I had like basics, you know, couch, and he had taken a TV and he had wired the cable from the neighbours, and so I could cable TV and stuff, and he gave me a bed and all that. But he had fully furnished this. He borrowed a fridge from some a spare fridge from someone, fully furnished this apartment for me. He goes. Live, live here as long as you need to, you know, and, and uh, just don't even worry about, like, just pay us a little bit of rent. But because he was doing it up, he didn't care. So he was just, Is your immediate reaction sweet as, or is it like, okay, what's uh, what's the cost? What's the price personally? Like, what's the I, ulterior motive? Not, not for that, because he, he, you know, that just gut instinct of, yeah. my gut instinct was, this guy is just purely genuine. Like, right. he is, he, this is, this is a very genuine guy and like, I was just blown away by his generosity and he goes, look, just, just pay us a little bit of rent and um, you can do some work for me as well and I was just like, mean, yeah, of course. Mm. Was, so, it, was that the Kiwi guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So he's from Waipawa and he used to, yeah, so crazy was he used to drink at my dad's pub. So I was just like, yeah, so it was, it was quite huh. a weird connection. Yeah, because I, I suppose when, um, yeah, if it was an American dude, you'd be like, okay, what's, yeah, yeah, uh, what's that, going yeah, on yeah, here? Yeah, but yeah. if it's another Kiwi, you, you immediately oh, yeah, assume any, the best. Yeah, not only a Kiwi, but from Waipa. Like, right. We're talking about as salt of the earth as it gets. You know? so, he, <laughs> he, so it was awesome. And I was just like, man, this is like those moments in life where you're just like, cool. You know, like, it was such a cool outcome to a shitty situation. But that, that stuff happened to me all the time, Tom. Like, mm. <laughs> what, mate, I got... One time I was driving back from work as a handyman. I'm covered in fucking plaster. I stop at the stoplights and this guy rolls up next to me and he's in like a nice Audi SUV. He looks like a, like your classic like accountant or something. You know, he's got like a nice shirt on, you know, whatever. Really well groomed. Winds down the window and he's going to listen to me. And I was like, what the fuck? So I put down my window. He's like, he's like, hey, are you a model? And I was just like, nah. And just like, he's just like, oh, do you want to be? And I was just like, uh, I don't know, man. Why? And he's just like, he's like, pull over the after the lights. And I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, I was like, pull over, get out of the car, and, and I kind of meet him halfway between the cars. Like, what's up? What's up? How can I help you? And he's like, are you a model? And I was like, no, I'm not. And he's just like, well, I can. Uh, do you want to be one? I can help you. And I was just like. What do you mean you can help me? What are you, are you an agent or something? Are you a scouter or something? And he's just like, no, no, but 
you know, I could I could get you some uh, modeling work. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, like what? Like print or what are we talking here? And he, and he's like, oh, it would be private. And I was just like, okay, creepy. What do you yeah. mean private? And he's like, he's like, look, I'm not. He's like, I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna waste. He said something to their effect. You know, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. And he's like, he had a wedding ring on, by the way. And 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 he's like, um, and he told me he had kids as well. And I was just like, so anyway, after the small talk, he's, he's like, would you be interested in in, in dancing for me? And I was like, sorry. <laughs> he's like. Would you be uh, interested in dancing for me like once a week? I was like, what do you mean fucking <laughs> dancing for you? He's like, like privately, uh, naked. And I was like, pardon? <laughs> He's like, I'll give you, his first offer was 1500 bucks US Jeepers. to dance. And he's like, but, I was like, I was like, no. And he's, he's like, oh, okay, but. You just, didn't even hesitate. Dude, fuck no. Yeah. He's, like, he's, like, he's like, what about two grand? And I was like, no. He's like, but there'll be there'll be no touching, and I was like, I was like, I don't give a fuck, mate. Like, what are you? So you're gonna watch me strip? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I was like, and, and and what happens in this fucking session? And he's like, well, I won't be allowed to touch you. And I was like, but what? You can fucking jack off. He's like, well, yeah, I will jack off. And I was like, I was like, excuse me. He's, he's like, yeah, but it won't, but it won't touch you. And I was like, I was like, mate, you're not fucking selling this thing. And, he's, and then he's like. He's, he's like, what about three grand? And he went up to three and a half grand, uh, and three and a half. And grand then a you week. said yes, and, I, and then so the rest is history. And then I moved into no, no. But I was just like, no, mate. Wow. I was like, no. I was like, I'm sorry, mate, but no amount of fucking money I'll fucking do that for. I'm sorry, like I can't, I can't fucking do it. And he's like, okay, well, here's my number in case you change your mind. Gives me his number on the on the fucking piece of paper, and then he fucking he tells me he's like, what about? Um, would you sell me your un- underwear? <laughs> you said yes to this. No, so this is a, this is this is a regret because he go because he, he he goes. I was like my undies, and he, he's like he's like yeah, I'll give you one hundred and fifty per pair. Oh and I and I was and I was like I was like what mate, you don't want my undies? I fucking I was like I was like I'm a, I, I work as a handyman during the day. I sweat all day, and then I go to jujitsu. Like these are not undies that you want, mate. These are they will fucking stink. And he's and he's like. Yeah, the dirty. Oh he's like, God. he's like, the dirtier, the better. And I was just like, you are fucking cooked, mate. And he's just, he's full immaculate fucking accountant professional. Yeah. And I was just like, blowing my mind. Wedding, wedding ring. I was just like, what is the? Uh, what's nothing's making sense right now. So anyway, and but I regret that because what I should have done was say yes, gone to the op shop, got some fucking undies, <laughs> and then sold it for 150 bucks. But. I didn't. I live in Lynn. Was there not? Was it? They're not like one slither of you. Okay, so you 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 know you you're broke. You're struggling in LA. You're not sure where the next paycheck's coming from. When it gets up to three grand, not even a tiny part. That's like, oh, I could probably. What's the worst that could happen? You know, you you, you think, okay, if if he tries anything, I could defend myself again. Uh, no, no, because the image that would haunt me for the rest of my days. Mm. It doesn't matter how much money, like the. F- you know, like uh, the image, the image of him <laughs> blowing his load while I'm stripping on a Friday night in, in his bedroom or whatever, that that would haunt me for the rest of my days. Yeah. And you know, and, and all like fuck, if you want to do it, all good, all all the power to you. I'd know whatever. But for me, I was like, there's no way that in the future, when I have a son, 
and he's asking, and, and I'm trying to teach him to be a man in the world that I can look him in the eyes and like give him some some advice and and say that with a with you know integrity when I've fucking done that for three grand. You know, there's no way I can raise a son mm. and be like, hey man, to be you know, to look, this is how you walk as a man in this world, blah blah, blah. and then fucking have this memory of of some guy blowing his load. <laughs> You know, and, I, and so like it, for me, it was a no-brainer. It was just like, no, yeah, it, yeah. this is this is a short-term. It'll be a short-term gratification or fix. You know, of the mo- three grand, awesome. Fuck, there's my there's there's my rent for the month. But like, in long term, I think the long-term effects or 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 the trade off. Yeah, or... no, it wasn't worth it. You know, yeah. And, and yeah, no. Nah. I, I was like, yeah, and look, maybe I was wrong. Maybe fucking my integrity wasn't worth it. I don't know. But but for me personally, in that moment, and still to this day, I, I feel like I made the right decision. Where, where do you think that comes from, the um, current you looking out for future you? Because I'm thinking, first of all, full disclosure here, like I've never been handsome enough for someone to pull me over and offer me that sort of money so they can, <laughs> so I could dance for them. It's never happened. And Would you sh- do it? <laughs> well, how old were you at the time? 27. I would like to look you in the eye and say, fuck no, but... If I'd been in LA for a year and I was struggling and I was broke, maybe if the yeah. offer pres- I, and I don't know, and I'm I'm full of admiration for you for for having this line in the sand, fuck no, never attitude. But I don't know that I I'd like to say I would, but at the same age, I don't know if I would have. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I don't know who's right or wrong. That's the thing. Well, you That's- are. You are like on, on on every on every level. Like yeah, I don't know. Turn, turning it turning it down. It was um, moralistically everything. It was the right thing to do. And you, you'd, so. I'd like to think I'd demonstrate that same character, but I've never had fucking Ben Affleck good looks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. No, I don't know about that. But yeah, no. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just that, that's just how it was. And I, I'm a firm believer that you know how you do. It, um, anything is how you do everything, you know. So I feel like that's a slippery slope because then you're going, oh well, fuck, what else could I do for a bit of fucking cash, you know? Well, mm. oh, maybe I'm, a, you know. So I'd, yeah, that's the thing. Once you've once you've crossed that line, once you've opened that door, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and that town, you know, it's full of that. That town is full of people who are leveraging themselves to to get ahead and whatever, and you know, all the power to them. Fuck, maybe they're working and I'm not. So I don't know. It's, it's, maybe mm. the, maybe I did make the mistake, but uh, I'd like to think that you can do it the right way and, and with your morals intact. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that I can and I am, you know, and I will. Yeah, you, you shared that on actually both those stories. You shared them on um, Instagram. I think it was like January or February 2019. There was um, mm. like a bunch of like really nice black and white photos of you in the water, and then all these um, incredibly like vulnerable and personal post that you shared. Mm. Why, why was that? Was it like a theme month or anything? Was it a phase you were going uh, through? I, my sister shot those. She's a, she's a, she's a beautiful, a, a beautiful photographer and she's um, very talented. And uh, she was interested in doing something like that. And I think at that time, 2019, just come back from LA. And so I was in a very reflective mood and I was in a very, not healing, but I was trying to work out or navigate my way back from LA, and so I went back to Hawkes Bay and for a year and just tried to reground myself and and try and settle myself a bit because I felt really all scattered and stuff. And I think I, I said to her, I said, "Look, I'd, I'd be interested in kind of doing these shots and pairing them with honest stories because I I felt like one Instagram is never on, honest." 
you know, like a lot of it's, no, it's, it's, it's completely um, curated. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's only the side, and I felt like it was only it's only ever the side that you want people to see, and especially in my industry, it's always the good and the it's always the the positives and the good stories and all that. And and I felt like maybe I could be a bit honest about because everyone thinks you know, LA, it's all it's all good, but like I was like. There's the stories in the side of LA or actors going to LA that you don't see and that a lot of people don't want to talk about and a lot of um, because it's hard, you know, because it's a it fucking beats you down and a lot mm. of people don't want to talk about that side of it. But I just felt like maybe it was a bit therapeutic for me to to express the truth of of mm. what I what I what what I went through there. And That's a great series of posts. Uh, yeah, I've always wondered whether it was a bit too whether I should delete them or whether you know whether I shouldn't have been that honest and whether there's you know it's better to be a bit keep things to yourself a bit more. But um, I didn't. I, I never wanted to sugarcoat LA or to be like you know because it's it's it was it was a rough time and i had a rough time and i just wanted to be honest about it you know it's just mm. like because that that is a reality for um you know, though there are tough stories out there you know mm. but yeah i've got another one here this, this is from um february the february 2019 same sequence of photos uh one of my good friends has just had just committed suicide I was off to settle a two-year legal battle. My birthday was a week away, and then my girlfriend left me out oh, of the blue. Yeah. Some weasel club owner offered her a trip to Greece and wined and dined her. I don't hold a grudge. In a world of endless choices and upgrades, I hope she picked the right one. My only regret is letting go of the ones who had treated me better. Mm, um, first oh. of all, sorry about your, sorry about your mate. That was a That's tough some, time. Yeah. I, that was a really – that man, that was – well, first I'd lost my dad, then my, my uh, granny – who I was very close to, my granny and I were very close. Then my, my papa, so my granddad. Then um, Pua Magasiva mm. committed suicide, um, so he died. And then um, Pip, my a friend of mine who was also my girlfriend at one point, she committed suicide. And uh, it was just like by that point, I just lost so many people. I was just like, in a short amount of time, it, it, this was all within probably nine months yeah i was i was just numb like when when i got told i can't i think pip was the last one i just uh, i i just i remember just feeling numb and i almost like didn't get upset straight away because i was just like i was i I didn't know my i didn't know how to take it anymore you know i was by that point i was just like i don't even know how to take this news Mm. and so it wasn't until i think a day later that i just broke down and started crying because it took that long for my body to process it all but then there was that and then I forgot <laughs> the girl, about that one. And, then the, the, and then the girlfriend left me and and, and and you know and I was so vulnerable at that point you know and, and insecure and because obviously I was I was struggling in LA and, and trying to make and I wasn't you know at a point where I was you know, I was working as the handyman and stuff but I was <clears throat> Feeling, I was feeling very insecure, and then that happened, and she left me for a guy with money, so that fucked me up, and I was just like, "Fucking hell, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot." Doesn't eh? really get worse. I was yeah, like, yeah. "Can it get worse?" I don't yeah. fucking know anymore. Like, yeah, you know, I thought, yeah. I thought, it was, I thought my dad dying was the worst it would get, but no. <laughs> so keep rolling the punches, and I think at that point I just went, "Fuck it, what else? Have, give me what else have you got for me?" Fuck, mm. you know, like. 
it was it was just the worst fucking um, role of 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 punches to be honest. Mm. And then and and just to have that person, you know, your girlfriend or your partner to to blindside you like that. So how, long, at, how, how long were you together? A year. Right. But right. to like, you know, at that moment, for her to leave at that moment, like she, because she knew about my friend, mm. you know, my friend committing suicide and the other people in my life that had died and all that. So she, she was there for me and all, all that. And, you know, within, she, it was the week of the last person committing suicide that she left me. It was in that week. And I was just like, how? <laughs> what are you? What, and not only that, and not only that, but the day before she admitted to it that she was off with this dude, that she'd run off. Um, she 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 called me and she'd been with her family and her her nieces and nephews and stuff. And she had talked about. She was like, oh, she was talking about how much she wanted kids with me and she was oh. wanted to move back to New Zealand with me and start a family and stuff. And I was like, amazing. And then two days later, boom, done. Just. You know, and I was just like, no, fuck this. Crazy. How, how's your mental health been over the years? You you seem like a really resilient guy. Uh, I don't know if that's something that you've always had or that you've had to develop over the years with this yeah. uh, industry that you've chosen, but your you, m- mental health mostly been good? I don't think so. No? Um, yeah, resilient is key, and, and, and um, jiu-jitsu has helped me a lot. Look, uh, my my mum wanted me to go to therapy, and, I, and and you know she she thought I should after my dad died, and after all this stuff I probably should have, um, but I didn't want to because, and this is probably quite a controversial thing to talk. And I, you know I'd love to talk to more men about mental health because I think it's important. It's really hard as a Kiwi male to talk about it. You know you you know like <laughs> yeah it is. I, like, I feel I feel like we're getting better, but um I'm, I'm I'm older than you. I'm fifty now, and I, yeah, I was from a generation where. You didn't show any sort of vulnerability. Actually, you're probably the same, Hawks Bay in the 90s, you early 2000s. You yeah, don't yeah. show any sort of weakness because it could be weaponized against yeah. you. Or but the problem was is that I felt like therapy doesn't help. Like, again, probably going to divide a few people on this, but I don't think therapy for men helps because for me, I don't think men seek validation for their feelings. I don't want someone to validate my feelings and go, Oh, so you did because they don't have the solution, mm. and that's my problem with that was my problem with therapy is that they're not going to give me a, a magic bullet or a, or a solution. Yes, it's nice to talk about my feelings, but to be honest, I'd rather sit down with a very good friend of mine, you know, a guy mate, and talk to him. I would rather that as opposed to paying someone three hundred dollars an hour for mm. them to tell me, "Yeah, you're right." Although they do, as someone that has been there and does swear by it, they give you a different way of like framing things and looking things. I'll give I'll give you another example. I could I could get up on stage next to you and someone hand me a script and I'll I'll read it and pretend to be someone else, and then you get up and you've had years of training, years of experience, years of hard knocks. You know what to do. You're mm. trained and you're qualified. Mm. So sitting down and talking with a good friend, I agree that's fucking great. But that they don't know the, necessarily the right thing to say, or mm. they can't. Unless you've got a really really wise friend. But they, they probably can't. But therapists are good at saying, you know, okay, what about this? And then it gives you a different way of looking at it. I see, I but I understand the cost is very prohibitive for a lot of people. If you're down to your last 300, you, you know. You're well, gonna... yeah, yeah. And look, the cost isn't an issue, but it's it's more just I felt like if they're not going to give me a solution, then I don't feel like, I just feel like, one, it's time and time mm. is valuable, and two, it's it's money, and three, it's it's really just going to give me another way to look at it rather than, than the problem solve. But you're, you're probably right, and look, I... I, I, I should probably give it a go 
Um, but I, I always felt like jujitsu was my therapy. Yeah. Because, which probably isn't right here as well. But and I'm not saying I'm fucking right either. No, so no, no. Please I, don't I, take that. No, like, <laughs> no honestly, it's um incredibly safe space here. No, there's no there's no right or wrong. But you got to like you you got to fend for yourself when it comes to your mental health, and mm. you, you got to work out what tools you need in your toolbox. Mm. If it's going on going in the sauna or going in an ice bath, great. Yeah. But you got to work out what it is because no one else can do that for you. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't involve therapy, yeah. and if it doesn't, then that's that's fine too. Yeah, look, and none of those so like jujitsu doesn't solve it either. Jujitsu doesn't magically give me a solution, but what it does do is clears my head, gives me an outlet. It 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 strips back to a primal level of survival, which which is probably good in those times. Like it stops the complications of overanalyzing, overthinking. It takes it right back to like level, you know, fight or flight. And um, and also, you know, I, I, I obviously do saunas and ice baths as well, and all that stuff helps. And and I've found through listening to guys like Goggins and and, and Jocko Willink, mm. like that has helped me as well. Hearing those kind of guys talk about, because I still believe they they they're good at dealing. I mean, you know, they're seals, and, and so yeah. they've got they've got a lot of trauma and stuff as well but the way they deal with it is a lot different than to, to, to just like an outpouring of emotion it's more of a practical approach of mm-hmm. like and I and I, I kind of lean towards that a little bit more um, but that's that's just me I may be wrong I'm open to new things but <laughs> no I, I love I love both those guys as well um, yeah. your Goggins can be a little bit hardcore like um, yeah. but um, well, I think we need that like, yeah. I think I think uh, yeah I think we we need that a bit more, mm-hmm. you know. Like I, th- I think. Um, well, you got you, yeah. The thing I like about them is um, the level of personal accountability. Like you got to look after yourself. No one's coming to save you. You yeah. got to save yourself. Um, have you always been quite resilient, or have you, is, yeah? Uh, I, well, I, th- I think since I got you know going full circle back to diabetes, type one diabetes, I think that taught me to be resilient mm. because that was really my first major major knock. You know, and first thing that I went, oh fuck, I have to deal with this thing that I wasn't expecting to deal with. It's not something I can just push away. It's not something I can shelve. Like I have to literally deal with this on a day to day basis. So how am I going to do this without playing a victim? And I never wanted to be a victim and mm-hmm. be like, oh, fucking diabetes ruined my life. Um, just trying to be like, no, fucking, how do I deal with this? And so I think f- mm-hmm. from that age, from fifteen, going, oh fuck, well, this is how I can attack every problem, I guess. But um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, fuck. I think my dad was very resilient too, so maybe that, just getting those genes maybe or something like that. But um, again, I don't I don't think I'd be in this industry if if I wasn't resilient because... Oh, you have you, to be, don't you? You, ha- you have to be. <laughs> so I think there's just a mix of everything that yeah. went on with my life that has just allowed me to be resilient. But fuck me, don't don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I definitely have horrible days and, um, yeah very some dark days and I've been down in some dark holes and stuff and if I went to a therapist I'm pretty sure they'd say that I've got depression but really uh, yeah I reckon yeah. yeah like um depression as in uh, like a chemical balance or yeah I think so like circum- yeah really yeah mm. Because I, th- I think I have um, like circumstantial depression, mm. so major there'll be major life upheavals. Yeah, like um, I've been through some fertility stuff and a marriage breakup, and I think that causes it. But I think for the most part, I'm I'm pretty good. Mm. I don't know. Mm. R- yeah, how are you feeling today? I wasn't feeling sharp yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but one of those days. Yeah, just it's just yeah. Some of those days you just the, the clouds seem a bit darker, and so 
trying, just trying to flip that and just be like, what, why? You know, what, what are you? Let's look at some positives here. Let's look at the good things. And um, but um, so just trying to be aware of myself and and just kind of not catch myself out, but just kind of take a step back and go, okay, what what are you feeling right now? What are you? Let's let's check in there. What like why are you why are you getting so agitated in this moment? Why are you taking it out on this person? <clears throat> so yeah, is that how your depression looks? Or you just get frustrated. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and and just withdraw. You know, mm. just withdraw from from people and things. And um, so I so I've, uh, you know step one is awareness, right? So mm. just being aware of my habits and going, oh fuck, okay, what are you? Why why are you doing that today? You know, so because there was nothing to be upset about yesterday. You know, mm. there's there no major thing went wrong. You know, whatever. You know, so and that's why I like those guys like Jocko because Jocko helps me see that. You know, like his whole ethos and and bad situations is to go good. You know, the car broke down. Good, it does this. Blah blah blah. You know, so it's like mm. so taking ownership. You know, so yeah. that, and that helps me. That definitely has helped me. So um, yeah, I've, I've found that very useful. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, everyone's going through shit, eh? You just never know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's part of growing up, eh, is you kind of realise that... Yeah, no one, no, one, yeah no, one, no one gets out of it scot-free. Everyone's going to deal through some, st- some stuff. And I think the more of a rich and fulfilling life you're living, the more like mistakes you're going to make, the more you're going to yep. love people, and then when you lose them, it's going to fucking hurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the only way to circumnavigate that is to lock yourself up, not yep. have any meaningful relationships, don't take any risks in your life, and uh, that's yeah. not even living your life. But the flip side of that is those, you know, yes, things can go wrong, things do go wrong, but, like, when it goes right, it's, it's fucking worth it all. Mm. You know, when relationships is like, man, if, if you... If, 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 if you I could give up after the amount of failed relationships or whatever, but at the same time, when it works, man, that's the most beautiful thing ever. Mm. You know, when, when someone loves you and you love them, and there's fucking no, no other feeling like that. You know, yeah. it's the same with career, you know. Audition, fucking sucks getting, getting the call to say that you didn't get it or someone else got it or this person, the same. But, yeah, fucking sucks ass. But when you get that call to say that you got it, it's worth mm. all those rejections. It's worth it all. Yeah, yeah. Goggins talks about callousing your mind. You're definitely doing that with the auditions, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, are you, are you seeing anyone at the moment? Are you in love at the moment? No, or? no, I'm not single. Yeah. yeah, and and happily single, not not actively looking or. Uh, no, I'm active. I would say I'm active. I'm definitely open. I'm definitely, mm. I'm definitely ready for that stage of my life. I'm definitely mm. ready. Uh, I'm. I really look forward to um, having a life partner and. And and having a family with them and, mm-hmm. and and doing all that like it's something I'm I really look forward to and I, and I hope that comes along soon and yeah yeah and what's next on the the acting front so just doing um, waiting for this film to come out which is in two weeks and just doing the promo work for that and 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 just ensuring that um, just waiting for that and hopefully that does well and gets into some other film festivals around the world. And then from there, hopefully a bit of exposure and maybe that will, uh, you know, that will spruce up some interest in things. And, mm-hmm. and Oh, that's that Home Kills. Home Kills, yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah. really good. I've yeah, seen the trailer you. online. Yeah, yeah. So what's the uh, synopsis? Uh, so the synopsis, so it's... it's uh, like a butchery, struggling butchery. So it's two, two brothers who take over their, their dead father's Home Kills business. Uh, they're strapped for cash. The business is failing. 
And so they find themselves unwillingly, well, they find themselves accidentally getting into a body disposal business. So they start getting rid of bodies and putting them through the meat grinder and turning them into dog rolls. And, and then from there, the two brothers are very different. So you've got Mark and Tom. Mark's all for this new venture. And in fact, he wants to get rid of people and now start killing people and disposing the bodies. And Tom, who I play, is, he doesn't want any part of it. But also, it's bringing them money and helping them get the business back on track. And entwined in all that, there's you know there's, there's a local gang and and there's like a bit of a meth thing going on. And so, it's 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 a really kind of sh- it's it's a it, it's dark, but it's it's funny. It's funny in parts. It's not try, it's not slapstick funny. It's it's like it's just more a like, bleak comedy. Yeah, more like more like Coen Brothers kind oh, of comedy. Yeah. You know, so um, it's there's funny moments, but it's not trying to be funny yeah it's funny because of the circumstances it's small town New Zealand so a lot of relatable characters and a lot of um, a lot of relatable issues and a lot of relatable kind of current events um, looking at that small town and just how dark and deep those small towns can kind of go and they really can they can especially with yeah. the myth angle myths yeah. huge in the small yeah. towns yeah and I just feel like the smaller the town the deeper the secrets mm. And so <laughs> there's something in there. Yeah, really yeah, is. yeah. There, so it's it's a very interesting look at that yeah. small town New Zealand uh, life, and the cinematography is obviously beautiful. And cinematographer on that was amazing, and the and shots alone are fucking amazing. And it was real cheap, right? Like made for a quarter of a million, which yeah. sounds like an alarming amount of money. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just films over, are I think it was three hundred, but, right. but, 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 but super low. But yeah, you know, that's not much money at all. And what 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 they did for that money. Incredible, you know, mm. like they, that's that Kiwi ingenuity coming out, though, you know, that that so calling in favors from mates and calling in favors, and that was one of the good things about doing it. And we sh- we shot it all around Matamata and Wa- uh, Waikato, and that was one of the good things about doing it around there because unlike Auckland, where it's a bit of a film scene, you'd go to the we'd, we'd need to shoot at a pub, and the pub would just be like, yeah, all we want is a signed poster. And and you can use the pub oh, for the day, so cool. you know, and things like that, or yeah, yeah. or extras. You know, everyone would do things for a box of beers or this or that. So you were able to do a lot more and stretch that budget out, and and no one was making big money. Mm. Like it was, you know, it's not like one person was making a whole lot of money. It was, it was everyone was really, everyone really did above and beyond like work to to make this happen, and and, and that's why it felt so magical. Was like everyone believed in the story, everyone believed in the project. And so you had all these people that would usually be getting paid a lot more, doing a lot more for for, for less, and, and they were very happy to do it because we all there was a real magic feeling and uh, while we were shooting, and 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 I felt it, and everyone else had that same feeling, and it was it was just like uh, we've we've got something really oh, that's a rush. special here. So it's it's got like a film festival release. Yeah, got, uh, is it going to have like a like a broader release after that? What what happens with film festivals? Yeah, so I, I believe the way it works is so we have the New Zealand International Film Festival, then they'll do uh, submit it to other film festivals. You have like Toronto and there's like you know South by Southwest, all the big ones, Cannes and all that. You, you submit them to those, and then within the, this is how I think it work. My understanding of it, so I could be wrong. Um, but from there, a distributor will see it. Well, you know, you'll try and shop it to distributors, and they're like, you know, the big studios and stuff, and they will purchase it from those film festivals and go, "Yep, we're going to buy it." So, like, uh, is it, uh, so, so they'll 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 take the rights, and then they'll do a cinematic dis- distribution. 
So it will do a, it will do like Auckland, Wellington, Hamilton, kind of. It will do like all the whoever's involved in the international film festival, and then as well as the film festivals overseas, and then distributors will be at those film festivals and go, oh fuck, we like yeah, we'll, we'll fucking we'll pay for this for the rights of this, mm. and then from there that's when it explodes because then you know who knows whether it's a streamer that picks it up and goes, yeah, we'll give you, we'll, we'll take it. Or maybe a cinematic release, and they go, yeah, we'll, we'll pump it out to this many theaters throughout the world, and blah blah. So that's where that's what we're trying to do is generate. Because if it does well, like if you know if it sells out and does well at the festival, gets a bit of heat, then people then the, that will prick the ears of the distributors up, and they'll be like, oh fuck, well, let's look at this. Oh fuck, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. I mean, that's happened time and time. You get Tiger's stuff, and you know, so it's like, yeah, for sure. So it's it's. That's what's exciting is like I th- I, it really does have potential. Like I wouldn't have done it if if I didn't believe in it or didn't believe mm. it had potential. So I'm, I'm I haven't seen it. I'm super excited to see it. Um, the shots alone, beautiful. Um, just that the the mood and the the world of small town New Zealand. Something I've always thought was not done enough. Mm. Um, and just cool, you know, just very very cool, dark but funny. You know, good moments. The, the the people working on it were phenomenal. The actors, um, everyone really poured yeah. poured their hearts out into it. Eh? So it's called Home Kills. What's your character's name? Tom. Tom. Tom definitely sounds like the sort of guy that would um, let someone jack off in front of him for money. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's definitely not. He is a man of principle and moral. He is, is so he? straight. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, no. he's killing people in the backyard. Well, that's where. It, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's yeah. That's that's the whole twist of the movie. Is oh, okay. Tom starts. Yeah. So, oh, so, so he's struggling with so what Tom's he's... struggling with his moral compass, <laughs> just like you know, which I wasn't doing, but you know, but but. Uh, yeah. yeah, Tom struggles with his moral, moral compass, and and he's trying to feed. A, he's got a newborn on the way. He's got a, a his partner that he's trying to take care of. He's got this psycho brother who's just an absolute wild card who's just off the rails and just going off and doing shit and getting them in trouble. And you know, he's doing shit with the gangs to piss them off. And so he's got to look after that. And 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 so. That's the struggle, and and that's why I love the character. Was that he kind of re- re- represents that Kiwi everyman of what we were just talking about with mental health? Mm-hmm. You know, this guy who's who would never talk to anyone about his health and just suppresses everything. And that's you know part of the film where it goes is you know you can only bubble under the surface so long before it fucking explodes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, hundred so, percent. And that's that's Tom. He's trying to keep his partner you know happy, and he's he's trying to provide for her. He's trying to provide for his newborn he's trying to keep this crazy brother under wraps he's he's got the failing business so like but he's always calm and collective because mm. he is that kiwi guy who's just good under pressure yeah but you know it's that pressure that builds that's that's what's interesting mm. he's like a you know that's, that's a bit mm. of a volcano there you know what do you reckon your dad would make of all this the, the movie that you're in now I think and he'd it, love it hey yeah? yeah 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 I think he'd love it what would he make of this chat we've had today with you being um, so open and vulnerable about your mental health and your feelings I, I don't know your dad from a bar or yeah, something well, I'm just imagine the conversation he'd watch it he, he would he would 100% he'd, he'd probably call me up and, and just be like yeah that was a good interview um, mm. uh, yeah that was good that was good. Yeah, it would be, mm. it'd be, you know, but that's enough. Uh, yeah, mm. so he wouldn't dive into it or what. Yeah. Elaborate. And maybe, maybe the mental health stuff. He'd go, what's, you know, what, what's, what's, <laughs> he, what's something, something going on? Is it? Mm. Yeah, so maybe a bit of that, but yeah. it would mainly just be like, yeah, it was good. 
It's good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wonder if, um, like, that um, that last conversation you had with him, obviously it came from a place, from his perspective of, I don't know, fear or trepidation or nerves or whatever. Um but maybe it would have like set the the platform for him so that he could be more open with um, his feelings about you. Because I feel like yeah, his, maybe. his generation sort of never yeah. they were never allowed to sort of vocalise those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came from his father was super staunch, mm. old school. Yeah, you know, he was a, a captain in the navy and very fucking hard on him. Disciplinarian. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was very ingrained in him. I think so. I, th- I think it's just kind of uh, d- d- different generations, mm. you know, different, different, different um, uh, views on what a man should be and all that. Yeah, and you can't you can't have a chip on your shoulder about it because everyone's just doing the best they can with the information resources yeah, they have. Just at the like time. in fifty years' time, we'll probably look back. You know, people will look back at the way we act and be like, "Man, those guys. That, that's not how a man is." Or you know, so like, <laughs> you know, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always going to evolve. That's, that's a part yeah. of, of of life and human you know human nature is just to keep evolving and learning mm. and and that that's why I don't get too worried about it because I just think you know I'm yeah I fuck up and I make I've definitely made mistakes. Uh, but as long as I'm learning from them and being mm. aware of those mistakes, uh, that that's growth, mm. you know. Hundred, and you got to keep making the mistakes. Yeah. you have to. You have yeah. to. And you said something before, like about um, you know, you thought when you left Shortland Street and went to LA, you thought you were a man, and you look back now and you weren't. Um, as someone that's fifty sitting in front of you, I can tell you, like when when you get to fifty, you'll look back on this now and think, oh, I was a man then. But I, and I think that's the exciting thing. You never reach that point where it's yeah. like I'm done. Yeah. yeah. I know everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the exciting thing though. about life. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. beautiful. And I think, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. Mm. You know, I'm looking forward to reflecting on those um, moments and reflecting on how I am now and, yeah. and all that but like as long as I'm happy in the present and being present that's important mm. you know as long as I'm not trying to be something I'm not or mm. I'm trying to unless I'm it's for a role myself. in which case you yeah, are yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I'm being paid to yeah, be yeah, someone I'm not but, yeah. um, but you know as, as long as I'm being true to myself mm. in the present fuck you, you, well, what more can you ask for yeah Oh, you're um, a good dude. I think your, your dad would be immensely proud. Oh, thanks, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank thanks so much, Cam, for coming over today, and uh, good luck for what the future brings. Hopefully it's fucking great things. You deserve it, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <sighs> not, a, not an industry for the faint. No, it's not. Mm. For the crazy. <laughs> it's slightly depressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all are, mate. Um, but you're aware of it, and um, I appreciate the insights today. You're a good man. Ah, cool. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, appreciate Cam. It. Thanks so much for listening all the way through this episode of Runners Only with Tom Harvey. And thanks again to my pals at Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode. If it's protein powders, smoothie recovery powders, or freeze-dried, just-add water meals that actually taste nice and give you the nutrients you need, check them out. RadixNutrition.co.nz. That's R-A-D-I-X. Just before we go, you can reach me anytime on Instagram, DomHarveyNZ, or email me, domharveynz at gmail.com. I love getting your feedback in response to the podcast, good or bad. Actually, to be fair, it's only been good, and I genuinely thank you for that. Couple of housekeeping things before you go. If you feel like doing me a solid and you don't do this already, it would be epic if you could subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe or follow whatever your platform allows. Most people listen to it without subscribing. Something like 20% of people subscribe. 
And, and I'm not actually sure what it does, but I've heard other people on way more successful podcasts asking their listeners to subscribe, so it must do something. I don't know. Also, if you feel so inclined, it would be awesome if you gave the podcast a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Even better than that, share it on social media or share it with a friend who you think would enjoy it. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for your time. Genuinely appreciate having you along for this journey, and I really hope you enjoyed it. And I do hope to see you next time on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.